Welcome to Profits and Loopholes. Nate, thanks for being here for this. We are here to discuss tax extensions. And one of the most common misunderstandings about tax extensions is the idea that when I file an extension as a taxpayer, that it extends both my due date for filing a tax return and the due date for paying any mm. tax that I may owe at the time that I file. And this is a common myth. And so we're here to debunk it today. Love this and, plan. And so the first thing I want to do is ask Nate, what's a tax extension? Tax extensions deal with due dates, right? So everybody generally knows that our individual tax returns are due April 15th, right? That's a, a date that we love in America, right? Tax day, April 15th. And extensions allow taxpayers who don't have their taxes filed by April 15th a little bit more time to get that all put together. So, so an individual tax return can be extended until October 15th. So that, the extension changes that due date from April 15th to October 15th. You know, it's also important to note that we have businesses involved too. Businesses have different due dates and extension. Uh, businesses are due March 15th and that gets extended to September 15th. And so when we talk businesses, we're generally talking LLCs and S-corporations, partnerships, uh, a lot of the small business world there, right? And to your point, you know, that extension is helping us, you know, manage some penalties that are associated with filing late. Yeah, I wanna talk a little bit about kind of the expectations around filing extensions if we could, mm -hmm. because there's, there's obviously the April 15th date or, and the March 15th, 15th date, like you said, for our uh, pass-through business entities. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what we can expect when we do file an extension, and then what we can expect if we don't file an extension. Because uh, I know I get a lot of calls, a lot of common. emails right around that yep. April 15th or yep. March 15th date saying, hey, make sure. One of the things I do for my taxpayers is I always just automatically file extensions for anyone that I worked with in the prior year and filed a tax return in the previous year. And pretty much for anybody that I've set up a new entity for or has started a business that I'm aware of. I'll just automatically include that because it's one of those ideas like it's better to be safe than be sorry. And I don't want to pass that that burden of remembering or the obligation to file the extension onto a client. I figure that's some of the value that I provide as their CPA is just making sure that I'm uh, ahead of the game and I'm being a little bit preemptive in their approach to tax compliance. But let's talk a little bit about what we can expect if we file a timely tax extension. Timely, well, so to talk about that, Paul, we have to talk about the different types of penalties that we're trying to avoid. Right, so as we, we consider penalties, you know, there's, there's two primary penalties that we try to avoid for our clients. You know, it's a penalty for the failure to pay tax on time and the failure to file tax, a tax return. And th those penalties, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about what those penalty costs are, but, but the extension is only waiving one of those penalties. You know, the penalty to file is a penalty that the extension is waiving, there, there isn't an extension for the failure to pay tax. So even if I file a tax extension that gives me till September 15th for a business or October 15th for an individual, my obligation to pay my tax remains the same. Remains back on April 15th? That's exactly right. Okay. Myth debunked, right? And that, that's the misconception that's out there. And that's the phone call that we're having every April 15th is, is people think 
this extension is going to buy them another six months to pay that tax when that's entirely not true. Yeah, I can see that because I mean, there are some uh, taxpayers that I've worked with that, you know, we get to that close to that October 15th extension due date time. We've got a return prepared and we file the return and we, we pay the tax and then they get a subsequent filing notice or, or a, a penalty notice from the hmm. Internal Revenue Service assessing penalty and interest. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about those two penalties and the interest that you refer to. I know the IRS is fairly unforgiving about interest and will always assess interest on any balance due up until the date that it's paid. And never waive it, right? We, there's no way we ever get out of interest. Yeah, I'm not aware of, yeah. of any successful attempt to get out of interest right. unless somehow we're able to reduce the tax liability right. you know, through the filing of an amended return. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about these two penalties in more depth, Nate, about how much can I expect if, if I'm filing late or paying late? Kind of a what happens if I don't file a timely extension, a request for time to file an extension? Mm. Yeah, that, that's a great question and one that we're always seeking to answer for a client. So the, the two penalties that we're talking about, the failure to pay and the failure to file. The failure to pay penalty is a half a percent per month. They assess it at the beginning of every month that the tax is paid late. And, and it is late after April 15th. So that, that's when that penalty starts, regardless of what you do with your extension. That penalty goes and, it, and gets assessed until the tax is paid in full and maxes out at 25% of the tax. So it can get expensive if you drag your feet paying that penalty or paying that tax. The second penalty, and this is the one that we're talking about mostly today with this extension, is this penalty for the failure to file. You know, that's a 5% per month penalty, so it maxes out much faster. And again, it maxes out at this 25%, but at that point, like you're adding 25% to your tax bill, plus if you didn't pay it, you know, that penalty to, for not paying, that adds a lot of extra expense and extra cost yeah. to your tax. So if I owe, say for example, I owe $10,000 in mm-hmm. tax at, on April 15th, and I fail to file that extension, by the time I get to October 15th, and I thought I had an extension filed, I would owe- Big surprise. $2,500 yes. in a late filing penalty, yeah. um, and then one half percent per month for those six months. Uh, so it's much smaller, but if I continue beyond that, that kind of October 15th date, that will continue to accrue until it gets to a 25% penalty. That's exactly right. It's pretty steep. Yeah, well, so Paul, there are, are sometimes instances where we, ha- we can get out of those penalties. Obviously, filing the extension, so it's not an issue to begin with, is option one. Are there, in your career, have you observed some instances in which those penalties can be waived and we can get rid of those for a taxpayer? I haven't, to be honest. I mean, I know there's a provision that allow if you can prove reasonable cause mm-hmm. to the Internal Revenue Service for having not either filed an extension by its due date or that maybe a penalty was miscalculated by the IRS, that there are ways to reduce penalties. Um, there are circumstances where you can get an extended period of time to file that extension. If you're out of the country or if there's a, you're in a disaster area declared, but other than it's a that, pretty rare it's, it's fairly rare to get out of those late filing and late payment Yeah, I'm the same penalties. way. I don't feel like I've seen that very often at all. And then, and then you're going foot to foot with the IRS to convince them that the reason why you're presenting it is reasonable and is cause. Yeah. 
And, you know, and often those situations where I've tried to get a taxpayer out of penalty, we end up before a tax court judge, kind of in a preliminary hearing to, yeah. to argue the position of reasonable cause. And, and they're, they're very sophisticated. Letter of fair, the law they sort of interpretation. Totally so letter of the to. law. So a little bit of being proactive goes a long way. And so that probably leads into a great conversation about how, why extensions become a commonplace thing. You know, a lot of different reasons come up for filing extensions with clients. You know, one reason being, you know, just procrastination, right? You know, True. people just wait until it's too late, until there's not enough hours in our work day to be able to get their tax return done by April 15th. And so if you're sending your CPA all of your tax documents on April 13th, we're going to file an extension for you, right? And so we need to do some estimated tax. Uh, what's another common thing that you see as a reason to file an extension? Probably the most common reason I see for people filing an extension, one is honestly their belief in the tax myth. Oh, yes. That, that yeah. if they, if, oh, yeah, if they just extension, file, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, if they file the extension, they won't have to pay their tax till October yeah. 15th. Yeah. So I think we've effectively debunked that. Mm -hmm. But another reason why they might is because they're a business owner and maybe the mm -hmm. accounting records and the financial statements aren't ready yet. They're not ready. Yeah. Um, another reason might be because they are an investor in a business entity, uh, whether it's a small business privately held or whether it's even a publicly traded partnership, for example. And the complexity of which is so that it requires an extension at the individual level because we haven't received that Schedule K-1 mm -hmm. from one of those pass-through entities. And so there can be delays for that reason. There can be other delays for simply we've received our tax documents, like a 1099 or a W-2, but we've misplaced it. Mm -hmm. And the time it takes to you know, request that documentation from a custodian or from a former employer might just be longer than we had anticipated. Or at the time that we realize it, we may be so close to that April 15th due date that... Just not enough time. Just not enough time. Yeah. yeah. So we got to file the extension on behalf of the taxpayer. Which is the reason why, you know, when April hits, you and I kind of go into estimate mode, right? We're working with clients trying to estimate what this tax potentially could be just so that we can help them avoid any other penalties. And we're trying to guess what that business income is going to look like, even though those records aren't put together yet, just to try to get some sort of payment submitted and avoid these penalties for failure to pay on time. You know, one thing that uh, you and I were talking about just a little bit ago is, is this idea of how we pay those, those mm -hmm. estimated tax payments. You know, in, we have a, a, an archaic view in the tax world that you know, these payments have to be submitted using coupons and last minute rushes to the post office and, and try to get that, that check and that envelope postmarked by midnight on April 15th. I, one thing that we, I love about our modern world is the ability to electronically file everything. We can, and that's including these payments, right? Tell me, is it, what's your preference? You prefer a client running to the post office by midnight, or, <laughs> or what? What are the well, upsides of doing this electronic or modern world? Part? I certainly remember many, many April fifteenth deadlines where. We are rushing to get coupons prepared. We're rushing to contact taxpayers. We're trying to get everything assembled. And, and we're, we're holding staff over late to make sure we can get to the post office box and get it postmarked. I remember those days. Yeah. But the reality is those days are kind of in the past. Uh, with the modernized electronic filing systems that, that we have, we can file the extension electronically. We can initiate payments electronically. 
both for the extension payment and for the tax that's due, you know, mm -hmm. even if we decide that we want to pay that late. So that can all be done electronically. I know there's been some hesitation from some of my taxpayer clients. I get that too. That are a little reluctant to disclose their banking information. And uh, my personal thoughts are that, that the U.S. Treasury already has all of our personal banking information. Now, while they don't have the authority to just go extract money out of it with, without following proper legal procedures and notifications uh, to taxpayers so that we would be well aware before it ever happened, um, I've never seen a situation in my entire career after having filed tens of thousands of tax returns where the IRS has gone in and withdrawn money without the consent of a taxpayer. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's necessarily a huge concern, but it, but it is a valid concern for, for some taxpayers. Well, plus, I mean, you're sending a check to the IRS. All the banking information's on the check, right? That's true. And so that, that's, that's another thing. I just love the ability to have a confirmation number, right? Yeah. You know, hey, yeah, we paid this tax. We paid it by the extension deadline. There's no question. And even if it's called into question, we can prove otherwise. True. Well, this has been a great conversation about extensions, Paul. I, I think one key takeaway for me is, is we need to be in contact with your CPA early about extensions, either filing an extension and estimating that tax or getting that tax return filed. Any other key takeaways that you've got? No, I think we covered them all. Thanks, yeah. Nate. Yeah, good to be with you today, Paul. One thing I just want to shout out to everybody is if, if you have questions about extensions, let us know. Contact our office or reach out to us, and we'd be happy to help you file an extension. Uh, we, contact us on our website, Instagram, Facebook, phone. Hope to hear from you soon. Thank you.